0: Welcome in to the Browns Wire podcast with me, Travis Rogers, and Josh Keatley. Josh, how you doing, bud? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? I am doing good. We got a game this weekend, so I'm pretty pumped about it.
1: Yeah, it was nice and refreshing to not have to be all stressed out and worried this weekend, right? I mean, because the Buckeyes played on Friday, and that was pretty much no contest, and then there was no Browns on Sunday, so I pretty much had Saturday and Sunday to just kind of enjoy life.
0: Yeah, it was pretty, uh, I don't want to say not satisfying, but it was just quiet, relaxing, um... But man, it just, I don't know, it feels empty at the same time. I, I need my Browns fix. <laughs> well, you know, we honestly, we, we talked
1: about last week how they really needed the week, anyways, because of all the injuries, including uh, Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward, and now Baker Mayfield. So hopefully everybody's nice and healthy and ready to go.
0: Yeah, all reports say, at least to this point, that everybody should be playing. Um, knock on wood, there's no issues that we know of right now. Uh, I mean, I think that the Browns should be healthy going into this matchup, and I think they're going to need to be healthy because they play a uh, specific team that um, has had some mild success in the NFL in the recent years. Who, who would that be? You know what the strange thing is? I know that everybody saw the whooping that the Patriots put on the Jets Monday night, right? So,
1: and I, I think everybody agrees with me when I say that... The thought process should be that the Browns should be able to put up a better fight than the Jets. But check this out. So the line, the closing line, or I guess I shouldn't say the closing line. The midweek line for the the Patriots and Jets was 10 points. Okay, the Patriots fav- were favored by 10 points. That's when I put my money on it. The, Brown- the current line for the Browns-Patriots game, the Browns are underdogs by 11 points. The Patriots are bigger favorites against the Browns, our beloved Browns, than they were the Jets. So that tells you how Vegas sees... The Cle- the Cleveland Browns, obviously, they don't have really a whole lot of respect for them.
0: No, and obviously the money's all going towards the Patriots, especially considering how the Browns have kind of uh, underachieved so far this season. Um, not really surprising to me, uh, just considering you know who wouldn't bet on the Patriots at this point. So they got to somehow move that line and get it back. Right, and we talk a lot about expect we talk a
1: lot about expectations and are the Browns meeting them or not, are they not meeting them? Uh, and we always. We, uh, you and I specifically talk about how odds are a good indication of hey these are the expectations. You might not be able to win every game, but you should be able to beat the spread. That's kind of what we expect from you. The Browns are two and four overall, and also two and four against the spread. Okay, the Patriots are six and zero straight up, and four and two against the spread. So that kind of puts it in perspective that you know not only are the Browns, you know, are there not only is the Browns record poor. But they're against. They're not playing up to expectations either.
0: No, not at all. And uh, hopefully, getting guys back from injury will change that. Um, I'll go ahead and throw it out there since uh, I uh, took a little bit of uh, a glee in what happened on Monday night. Uh, a certain quarterback who I'm not a big fan of played uh, pretty poorly. Threw four interceptions. Had a fumble. Uh, I don't know who it was. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> Sam. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my my favorite quarterback of the class, as you know, uh, he played horrible. But at the same time, you know, if you don't give your quarterback any time, I mean, I think two or three of those interceptions, there was a dude in his face less than three seconds or less than two seconds after he snapped the ball. So what do you really want him to do? Yeah, you know what? It's funny because I got kind of so I got kind of defensive
1: on on Twitter last night and this morning, and people kind of you know got on me a little bit. I don't understand the Sam Darnold. He's such a it's he's so funny that he's such a polarizing quarterback. You you know that Baker Mayfield's going to be because he he you know he likes to run his mouth. You know that Lamar Jackson's going to be kind of polarizing because you know there was a lot of question marks around him when it came out. You even know that Josh Rosen is going to be because he was another polar he was you know, ran his mouth a lot in college, uh, but Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold's always been kind of a quiet dude, you know, just kind of goes about his business, but people really hate him, when he stumbles, people just pour it on, which is super surprising considering he had that electric performance against a pretty good Dallas Cowboys team just last week, you know, we'll, we'll see how Baker does against against the Patriots this week, but I'm telling you, man, Guys, people that are bashing on Sam Darnold better watch out because I don't think the Patriots are done ruining the lives of quarterbacks.
0: No, and I think uh, the Browns are going to be in for one this week. I think you're going to see a lot of the same looks they gave Darnold because at this point, uh, the Browns have had most of their success with those quick passing plays and when Baker gets the ball out of his hands quickly. So I can see them running the exact same type of stuff against the Browns to get in his face early and often and cause the same types of interceptions. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but I think that's going to be uh, the Patriots' game plan against the Browns is to get in Baker's face early and often.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've obviously proven that they like to go cover zero, bring in the blitz, trust their defensive backs uh, with man, and I guess that kind of brings us to our next point. Uh, the, The New England Patriots have a very special defense. They're a very good team. I don't think anybody would argue against that. Their defensive backfield, in my opinion, is really what makes it work. I mean, they really trust those defensive backs to lock down the receivers, uh, and they do. They do a great job. Devin McCourty, specifically uh, at safety, he's just a sure tackler. He's the leader of the defense, and it, it shows. He's one of the best in the NFL, and I, I think that that's inarguable. Uh, Stephen Gilmore, an all another All Pro level. Shut down cornerback. We saw him get an interception tonight. He's a, definitely a top five cornerback. I think that's an, also inarguable. Uh, the other cornerback, Jason McCordy, who was a former Cleveland Brown, is really thriving in, in New England. We kind of thought he was getting too old to really do anything. Uh, he wasn't really that much of an impact player in Cleveland. He was a solid. He was okay. Uh, but he's really playing another level this year in New England. And Patrick Chung is another guy. Uh, he was got busted a little. He, I think he got in trouble for Coke earlier in the year. Uh, uh and he's been, he's been injured with his, I, I think it's like his chest uh, and his his ankle or something or no it's like his neck and his chest have been bumped and bruised Uh, he actually didn't play last night but I'm hearing that he's probably going to play against the Browns and he also he plays on a a very good level he plays on another level so I think that that defensive backfield is really what makes the uh, the Patriots scary
0: yeah that's that's gonna be the main thing like you said that that defensive backfield how the Browns respond the Browns have the talent to beat it uh, there's no question. and People can tell me that they haven't met expectations all they want, but we all know the talent's there. We all know that OBJ's good enough, Jarvis Landry's good enough, um, Rashard Higgins is good enough. They can break that defense if they can just give Baker enough time and they call the right protections. I mean, you saw in the Jets game, there were times where um, Dan Orlovsky broke it down where, uh, you know, tackles were trying to block guys who were dropping back in coverage, leaving wide open holes for uh, lineback- other linebackers and you know just uh, players of blitz and just have free sh- free shots at uh, Darnold. For the Browns to win, you know they're gonna have to be able to protect Baker and pick up on all that stuff and. That's mainly the keys for the offense for me. I think Nick Chubb will have a fine game as he usually does. I think, um, you know, they'll have to establish that run as they have been doing. But the key is going to be: can we prevent Baker from getting hit before he throws? Now, see, we're we're
1: getting into midseason form, right? So, and we're both a little frustrated. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm not trying to be contentious, but with that said, we say the same stuff every week. We say that those are the points every week. Give Chubb the ball. Protect Baker. Make everything simple. Uh, you know, what? why would you expect that to change against New England? Is it because of the bye week? Is it because they have more time to think about it and game plan? Because so far, Freddie Kitchens hasn't really showed that he is up to snuff it as far as preparation goes. And he's going up against the god, Bill Belichick. So what makes you think that that's going to change this week? Because honestly... I'm leaning towards New England. I'm, le- I'm leaning towards New England land the points.
0: See, it's, so to me, what what changes this week is you have guys back from injury. Um, I'm expecting to have Rashard Higgins, Jarvis Landry, and OBJ all out on the field at the same time.
1: I, I don't want to interrupt, but Rashard Higgins was healthy last week, and he played zero snaps.
0: Yeah, the the press conference they came out with, though, they said he was... We kind of got a uh, conspiracy theory that they were trying to maybe shop him around. I don't know if that in, is going to end up being the case or not. Hopefully they don't, but I think... uh I think that Freddie Kitchens and the the plan was to make sure he was 100. percent Even though you know they they said he said he was 100, percent but maybe they were thinking, oh no, we want to let him rest through the bye week. Um, maybe it's it, maybe it's the same situation like uh you know the Browns know that this is the tougher part of their season. They're like, well, no use sending him out there getting him hurt. I, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. See that if you're saying that they're gonna hold him out.
1: Toward the bye week because he still bumped and bruised. Okay, that seems reasonable. Then why is he active? Okay, that's my first question of that. Then my next question because your first statement said that there were some rumors going around that you know we were going to trade him, so they were sending him out. That doesn't make any sense either because if you're going to try to trade him, would you try to put him out there? Give you know show that he is healthy, he is ready to play, so that you might be able to up the value that he can get. Because who's going to trade for an injured wide receiver when they're trying to make the playoffs? It's just none of those, none of those answers make sense to me.
0: So the twofold there. So like, you know how, um, back during hard knocks, Freddie kitchen's always wanted the guy to dress, you know, he's like, Hey, they may be injured, but can they dress just to, you know, have it be a put on. So maybe it's that situation with Freddie, where he likes guys, even though they may not be active, like, Hey, just be dressed, even though, and we'll, we'll list him as active. And, uh, you know, if I'm get, if I'm trying to trade a guy, I want him to appear as active, and I don't want him to go out there on the field and get hurt right before we trade him. So I, that's that's my perspective on that.
1: Okay, that I mean that is fair. I, I do disagree with that. I don't think. Like I said, if I'm trying to trade a guy, I don't want people to still think he's hurt. If he's ready to go, he's dressed, I'm going to play him. Cause now there's a bunch of question marks around him. Well, was he hurt? Why didn't you play him? What's going on? Why was he active, but you didn't play him? It just didn't make sense. And then we're talking about the active roster, too. You can't dress everybody. I mean, Jannard Avery was inactive, but I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I just, this, this conversation told, like this conversation itself is proof that maybe the Browns aren't the best at preparation, right? They, maybe they don't think everything through.
0: I'd say they have probably proven that uh, multiple times this year in games that they could or should have won. You know the penalties. I mean, we can look at the penalties all day. We've talked about it all season long. The penalties. That's preparation. Uh, that's coaching. These guys are NFL pros. These dudes know the rules of football. Now, don't get me wrong. That blindside block. I think that's the worst rule ever, and I can completely it, that that rule needs to be just tossed or that needs to be reformatted in a way that it's not screwing players over. But uh, you know, holding, false start. The just the really bad penalties on special teams. There always seems to be a block in the back on special teams on the Browns. That's just like been the theme of Cleveland since huge action came into town. But uh, I, I I think it's prep. I think it's prep, like you said.
1: And again, I think Freddie is going
0: to be fine. Okay. I'm not
1: calling th- th- that's another problem with, with, with where we're at as the state in the state of Cleveland Browns football is that now every statement we make is. Kind of an indictment, right? Like I can't say Baker Mayfield is not playing well because half the fan base wants to get rid of him. I can't say Freddie coaches is, Freddie Kitchens isn't performing well because half the fan base wants to fire him already. I don't think Freddie Kitchens is doing a good job. I think he can do better. I don't think he should be fired. But I'm what I'm saying is he's going to go through some growing pains, and there is nothing, nothing that has been shown to me. And you know me, man. I I'm put. I'm usually slapping some cash out of Cleveland, dude. And I and I I'm very open about that. I if anything I'm more biased towards Cleveland. There's not one piece of me that thinks that he's ready for the horror that Bill Belichick is about to bring upon him, dude. I mean,
0: Bill he's just a god. Bill Belichick is a god,
1: and that's just how it is.
0: So with that being said, in terms of like the Freddie kitchens thing, and just they're not ready. I I can't not agree. But the thing with the fan base, like you said, half the fan base wants to can Freddie, and half the fan base wants to bench Baker it's almost like there's into this impatience there. We've been on the losing end of it for so long that we see a little bit tunnel of, you know, a tunnel of light, light at the end of the tunnel, just a little bit of hope. And now we want it all right now. And you're seeing the growing pains. Um, Set so at the start of the year. It's like when LeBron went to the heat and they started out horribly. And then they ended up in the finals their first year together. So, Granted, you don't have as long to make it work in football because there's only 16 games, but uh, I, they're still figuring it out. It's obvious they're still figuring it out, but to, this week they have to get it figured out rather quickly or else it's going to be a long day. Now, all the stuff we said about the offense, I don't think that's the main key to the game, though. The main key to this game, for me, is the defense. And that being said, it's the third down defense. Um, I remember years ago when uh, Cleveland beat New England in... In Cleveland, the third down the de- off uh, sorry Cle- the Patriots' third down offense was horrible. They got them off the field, and I think they went for something like two for eleven or two for fourteen on third down, and that was the main key to the game there. And I think that's what the Browns' defense is going to have to do here. They're going to have to shut that that offense down on third down. And for me, that's it. I don't know what what's your keys for defense. Well, uh, the only <laughs> I I don't know because I, I'm looking at the Patriots'
1: roster. And there's just some certain things that pop. Um, gosh, so you're you're saying the Browns held? What year was that? The Browns held the Patriots to two of fourteen third downs.
0: That was yeah, that was the Colt McCoy Peyton Hillis year.
1: Okay, all right, because the Browns are the Browns are one in six the last seven games against New England straight up. So obviously they don't play the best against New England, and no one does. But the only thing I see being two for fourteen on Sunday are some beef and cheddars at Arby's. Okay. <laughs> No, I, like, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the Patriots offense, right? So their wide receiver core, we, I don't think we've seen anything this strong, right? They all work in unison very well. Josh Gordon, if he's healthy, I know he missed the Jets game with some knee and ankle injuries. If he's healthy, he's devastating. We as Browns fans know that. Julian Edelman, he's a sure receiver. He's sure handed. I know going into Monday night, he had 38 receptions for 449 yards and two touchdowns. He's just sure handed. He's hard to, he's hard to guard. And then Benjamin Watson, another former Brown, he's a very capable tight end. I know he came out of retirement to play in New England, but we saw how Effective he was Monday night, and we saw how they kind of do rely on this offense, does rely on their tight end a lot. And now we got to deal with Muhammad Sanu. Now, is he gonna, is Sanu gonna play Sunday? I'm not quite sure. Okay, I, if I had to bet on it, I would bet that he probably is. Okay, and that's another wide receiver that's very, very good. They threw it, they, they traded the second rounder to get him. Okay, that's how good he is, and he's another receiver that goes across the middle. These wide receivers they, they they form a good group. Does that make sense? What I'm saying they each play their own they each play their specific role very well. And then I didn't even mention Philip Dorsett, who also had a really solid game Monday. The, all these receivers just do a wonderful job at what they do.
0: Yeah, they're all strong. They're all good. The the Sanu trade. Gosh. It's one of those things where it's like all these GM. I mean, come on. The Patriots are probably one of, if not the most hated teams in the league just by the general fans of the NFL. Well, we
1: just talked about five guys that played for the Browns that were, that were very average players, very average players. Benjamin Watson was a complete disappointment in Cleveland. I think he was only there for two, three years, if, if that, and pretty much did nothing. Josh Gordon, he was nothing but a drug addict and he, every time he steps on the field in New England, he's great, you know? We talked about the one McCourty brother being in Cleveland. I mean, Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins is legitimately up for the Defensive Player of the Year award, and the guy was terrible last year in Cleveland. And they do that crap all the time. I saw Danny Shelton hurdle someone Monday night, dude. Danny Shelton hurdled someone. Dude, the only thing he was hurdling in Cleveland was a child to go get himself a Twinkie at the gas station. You know what I mean? Like, the, I I don't remember that kind of play from him. And it's crazy. New England does it all the time.
0: It's it's that Bill Belichick system, especially on a defense. But then, you know, you're giving just Tom Brady all these weapons. And that's, like, a to my point, you know, just these GMs keep on getting these players. And granted, the Falcons, I think the Falcons are pretty much giving up on the season. That's why they traded Sanu. That's why they're getting that second rounder. But they traded him to the the Patriots. Why do these GMs keep making the Patriots of all teams better Every single time. I mean, Bill Belichick is a maestro of trades and fleeces. Literally everybody. And he makes players fit in the system that either aren't performing there or he just gets players like Josh Gordon, who we all knew is a talent. And he has his issues, but then, of course, he he thrives in New England. Mohamed Sanu, he's already, I mean, I have always thought Mohamed Sanu, even back to his days when he was in Cincinnati. That dude's a stud. I've always liked that dude.
1: Yeah, he, he's great. And see, that's the thing. I, I, he, they traded him to the Patriots because the Patriots are the, the only team willing to give up a second rounder for him. Cause he's over, he's 30 years old. He's not very fast. He does what he does and he does it very well. That's the thing about New England. If you break down the Browns roster, the Browns roster is extremely talented, right? Odo Beckham is, is a fantastic wide receiver. He could fit in any system. Baker Mayfield theoretically should fit in any system. Jarvis Landry, he's proven that he can be, he can fit in any system, right? Guys like Julian Edelman, you know, he he does what he does well. Josh Gordon, he's a vertical threat. He does what he does well. Um Muhammad Sanu, he he does what he does very well. And that's that's how they they're just Bill Belichick puts his guys in positions to succeed. And that's how he does it. It's not necessarily he's not necessarily looking for the best overall athlete. He's looking for the person with a specific attribute that he can utilize. And that's what makes the Patriots special. And that's what makes them hard to go up against. I mean, even looking at their offensive line, when you look at their offensive line, there's only two, three guys that are really all pro caliber that check every physical box. And uh, Joe Thune, uh, the the guard, he's probably really the only one that you would put in the top five at his position. And I think he was drafted in the third or fourth round. Shaq Mason fell to the fifth round. He's the other guard, probably playing at a Pro Bowl level. Marcus Cannon is the right tackle. Again, probably playing at an all pro level, was drafted in the fifth round from TCU. Those are all guys that had, you know, kind of issues uh that made them drop in the draft because other teams didn't know how they were probably going to utilize them. And then he they go to New England and he he knows exactly how to put them in a position to not lose, and then he probably they do have the best offensive line coach in football too, and like th- that offensive line, this is probably the f- best offensive line we're going to face all year, which is surprising because, like I said, one of those guys is probably going to make the po- the Pro Bowl, Uh Ted Karras, or Karas, he's he's the center, you know, he's a six rounder out of Illinois, another kind of nobody player, uh, third generation NFL player that probably. You wouldn't make the roster in a lot of teams, you know. Marshall Newhouse is another guy that they picked up at the beginning of the year due to injuries across their line uh, that got cut from the Saints. So I mean that, and they're good. This is the best offensive line the Browns are going to see.
0: So that being said, the Browns have their hands full. It's plain and simple; they got their hands full. I'm not expecting a win. Uh, you're not expecting a win, as you've said earlier. I don't expect them to beat the spread, dude. That's how bad
1: I think it's going to get.
0: Yeah, so the, and really, this is, this is a chance for the Browns. I mean, if you want to make a statement, this is a chance to make a statement. Uh, If the Browns are going to win, I think they're going to like shock some people when they do it. And I think it's going to be, you know, like, it's going to be one of those games where it's like, how, how did the Browns win this, win this game handily? This makes no sense. It's
1: the Browns win this game. This, this would almost be a bigger up, in my eyes, this would almost be a bigger upset to me than Illinois beating Wisconsin.
0: Well, that being said, I, I I don't think, uh, I don't know. I mean this will be this would be a great step for the Browns moving forward and that would definitely put some people on notice that hey the Browns are in the easier part of their schedule and I think they're going to make a move and they, they they could use it they could really use it. I mean really let's let's really think about how
1: fantastic Bill Belichick is at, at building up these players. I mean two of the five players starting on this offensive line are fifth round picks from TCU. Okay? A huge chunk of their roster are dudes from Rutgers. If I would if I would tell you that the Browns had more than two or three star, two or three players from Rutgers, you would say, oh, that, that makes sense because the Browns suck. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's stuff like that, that he just, he consistently puts players on another level, even Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a six round pick, and then when Tom Brady goes down, a guy like Matt Castle goes in there and wins ten games. I don't even know what Matt Castle's doing, dude. I think he's selling flipping burgers at Wendy's. Like I, I don't, e- you, you know, that guy was a backup at USC. It's just, it's wild. It's wild what he does.
0: The Scarlet Knights don't deserve that. They don't deserve that disrespect. They're <laughs> they're they're a, pr- they're a proud I football team. They invented it's football. Though.
1: It's crazy though. Really, I mean, really think about it.
0: Uh yeah no it is it's it's the curse it's the curse of the Browns because you know hey the Browns had Bill Belichick at one point in time in his career and it just didn't work out but of course that's when he was younger um so I don't so you don't make me more um. I don't want to say uh, what's what's the opposite of confident. Um, so you want not make me more not confident for this week. Let's move on to college before I decided you know <laughs> just just hang up my cleats for good. Um, the, the Buckeyes take on Wisconsin this week. Wisconsin, uh, I was actually really pumped for this game until Wisconsin decided to uh, crap the bed against Illinois and look ahead. And let Illinois just slide right back in there and take away that game from them. But uh, you know, Wisconsin's got some players. Uh, and, and I know you got the scouting report, so uh, go ahead. Let's let's hear your thoughts. Well,
1: and let me defend Wisconsin a little bit too. We we you and I talk about gambling a lot off air. I know that on the pod we really only talk about NFL gambling. Uh, but there's a reason why we I personally stayed away from Wisconsin Illinois game. One, the spread was huge; it was over 30 points. And two, it was a little bit of a trap game. It was at Illinois. Um, you know, they're coming off of, Wisconsin was coming off of a pretty draining victory as well. Uh, you know, it, it, I, w- I don't want to say the writing was on the wall, but this isn't the most surprising thing in the world to me. Wisconsin is still a very good team sitting at six and one, 13th ranked, but it is in the shoe. Um, this is one of the games I put money on immediately when the Lions came out. I believe Ohio State's favored by what, 14 and a half?
0: 14 and a half was last I checked. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I slapped some cash on that immediately and took Ohio State because I do think Ohio State is going to smash him. But enough about that. This is a pro podcast. We're talking about the Browns. I'm going to talk about the three players that I really like at Wisconsin that I, I'm kind of taking a stronger glance at. I wrote an article earlier in the year about the three guys I was paying attention to. Those three guys have not disappointed. Um, so the first guy, you, you would think it's Jonathan Taylor, but it's not. Uh, it's Tyler. Be a dish, okay? And that's another game name that everybody butchers. He is the center. He's only a junior, six foot three, 318 pounds. Uh, dude, he gets to the second level on a consistent basis. He can start in the NFL right now. If he was with the Browns, JC Treader is no joke. JC Treader is a solid NFL center. He would start over JC Treader today. That's how good he is. Okay. And he's making all the line calls. He's perfect. He's the, he's the perfect center. And I really hope the Browns are staring long and hard at him. I think there's a good chance that that dude leaves early and he's only a junior playing center. The second player that I'm watching, obviously it has to be Jonathan Taylor, running back 511, 219, another junior. Again, probably going to leave early. Uh, he's got breakaway speed he's got power for days he's just a dude he's another classic he's better than your average classic first round Wisconsin back again I don't think the Browns are going to be taking a peek at him because Chubb seems like the future and obviously Kareem Hunt's very good as well and they're going to have to draft Jonathan Taylor's going early but it's another guy to keep your eye on you never know what's going to happen, and the third guy is Anthony Lottie, the punter. Uh, I don't know if the Browns probably aren't going to be looking his way either, but this is a guy from I could see him making a camp uh, and starting in the NFL. He had a really rough start to his college career. Uh, he's really turned in some some nice numbers this year. Six foot one eighty three, senior, uh, and John John Dorsey's proven that he likes to go out. He's not afraid to mix up the specialty room. So this is a guy I could see making a camp.
0: There you go with those three guys. Uh, in terms of predictions, you've already said yours. You think Ohio State pretty much uh destroys the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, I'd say a 14 point... Well, if you beat them by more than 15, I think they're pretty uh, deflated. Um, Ohio State really hasn't had much problem with the stud running backs that Wisconsin has put out in the last few years, whether that be Melvin Gordon, or Armani Ball, whoever else. And that goes to Jonathan Taylor as well, because Jonathan Taylor uh, last time he played Ohio State, I think he only rushed for less than 60 yards on like 14 or 15 carries, so he wasn't impressive against the Buckeyes. They seem to game plan really, really well for how Wisconsin runs their offense. I agree with you. I think Ohio State... and wisconsin um and i think they pretty much put them out to pasture by the end of the third quarter so with that uh, being said i know that there's some nfl games this week and uh we as always we have to uh make some bets and put our money where our mouth is
1: oh yeah i went two and three last week the niners boned me by a point dude i was given 10 then i won by nine it was slippery and wet and gross and it screwed me how'd you do it <laughs>
0: I believe I went two and one as well. I think I got. Uh, I think the one that really uh, got me was. Well, shoot. Where's my nose? I can't find my nose. Oh well, I'll edit that out. I went two and one.
1: <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, so I'm gonna start out hot again. Going with these Thursday night games have really have really helped me uh, beat the odds, I guess, or, or come up on top. Uh, I think a large part of that is because those these Thursday night games, the teams get shorter. They don't get as long to prepare, okay? So I think that the preparation stays... Short, simple for these players. And a lot of times you'll see the better team dominate. I think that that's how it's kind of gone lately. Um, last week it worked with Kansas City. So I'm rolling with the Vikings again. They're only given one point to the Reds, or I'm sorry, 16 points on Thursday night. Um, actually that, that's a lot. I wrote down one by accident, but they're given, (laughs) they're given 16, but I show no fear. The Vikings are not only five and two straight up, but they're five and two against the spread. The Redskins, although they're one and six straight up, they're two and five against the spread. The Vikings are all, I mean, they're just better. They're just much better. Like I said, I stand by my previous handicap. You get a shorter time to prepare. They're gonna take it.
0: Well, there you go. So number one, moving on to me, um, I'm not even gonna question that game because I I put my money where my mouth was with Washington earlier this year and they hosed me. So not even gonna make a comment on that one. Washington, you can go die in a fire. Um, in terms of the game, I picked first. Uh, Buffalo is favored by one and a half against Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is doing a little bit of soul searching right now after they got a uh, they got uh, you know. Uh, they got hosed by the Cowboys of all teams. Anyway, I think that Philadelphia is going to bounce back on that one. And I don't think Buffalo covers one and a half. That's a close one. And then really, I think Philadelphia wins, but I would not take Philadelphia in a pick them. That's for sure.
1: That's interesting. That's actually my second game. I actually got Philadelphia at two. You can get Philadelphia at two in a lot of books still. Uh, I would honestly, I would still put the money down at one and a half. You're right. The Eagles got slammed last week, but uh, you know, they're, I, I don't, th- I like you said, I think they're a due for rebound. Now they're only three and four, two and five against the spread, and the Buffalo Bills are five and one, four and two against the spread. But the Eagles are also seven and one against the spread against AFC East teams. Okay, so they've had AFC the AFC East number as of late. And the Bills, the Bills are two and four against the spread as a favorite. So this is not a role that they chair, you know, that they do well in. So I'm with you. I'm going with the Eagles.
0: All right, well, so uh, moving there, uh, my second pick, there's a specific legend we have spoken about on this podcast many a time, and that is the legend of Gardner Minshew. Oh Minshew Madness is legit, man. It really freaking is. That dude is for real, and I honestly don't believe half of that. Actually, he's <laughs> more than... he he seems like a all realistically he seems like a pretty serviceable quarterback on uh, the Jaguars. After losing out Nick Foles, they have you know they found a guy who can who can do some stuff for him. So uh, good for them. I hope he keeps on ha- having success, and I think he has success again this week. The
1: Jaguars are given five and a half to the Jets. You're going to take the yes, Jags.
0: I'm taking the Jags to cover that. Uh, I think that uh, going with my hot take, I don't think Sam Dahmer performs very well again against the Jag the Jags, and uh, I think that Gardner Minshew performs very well against the Jets and really uh I think you know we're really seeing Adam Gase and his ineptitude as a coach to bring stuff together granted Sam Darnold's been out with you know the uh, mono stuff and you know it just the, the Jets are horrible man they're just so bad and I'm okay with it <laughs> so th- this is a game we, we've
1: actually agreed on a lot of games lately which is surprising because at the beginning of the year we were not this is slipping back into old habits, dude. I completely disagree. I think that the Jets, the Jets slammed the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. So you can't tell me that they don't have a little bit of talent. We see what Le'Veon Bell can do. The Browns experienced Le'Veon Bell without Sam Darnold there. D- Sam Darnold's a young quarterback, dude. He's, a, we, t- I talked about him at the beginning of the pod. He's a young quarterback just like Baker Mayfield. Sometimes he's going to be hot. Sometimes he's not going to be hot. Uh, I do think against the Jaguars, he's going to be hot. They lost Jalen Ramsey. They don't really have a whole lot. In that. They don't really have a whole lot. They're clearly rebuilding. They're clearly, they've clearly Accepted that, um, I-, I think that the Jets are going to beat that spread.
0: Wow, you are going against the legend of Gardner Minshew. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah. Now that, but that. With that said, that is not my top game. I have not put money on that yet. My third game, I got Chicago. Chicago is given four and a half to the Los Angeles Chargers at home. Usually, I bet on the Chargers. The Chargers have bit me more than i need to be bit so i'm moving on the chargers are one and five against the spread the last six games the bears there haven't done much better but again mitchell trubisky i think people are getting pretty sick of his inconsistencies because he is a little bit he is getting a little bit older and he was pretty solid last year especially when uh utilizing the run game you know rolling out uh he was pretty good with his feet this year he's definitely taking a step back uh he's hesitating he's not good on his feet he's panicking with that said I think that he also can flip a switch and be very good the next week, so I'm taking a chance on that. He doesn't have to be very good against the Chargers either because the Chargers are terrible.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's crazy how bad the Chargers are this year. I thought they might show us a little something more, but uh, uh, I can't disagree with that one. But uh, So my last game, um, the Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, the one prediction that I am going to take a lot of pride in, and I was... I may or may not have uh, differed with my colleague here on this. I said that the Cincinnati Bengals were not only trash, but I said they would be the at the bottom of the division. So far, that's holding true because they haven't won a game, and I don't think they're going to win this one this week, and the Rams are favored by 13.5. I think the Rams cover that because I just think the Bengals are so bad. It's so badly coached. They're aging. Uh I love throwing insults at Cincinnati. <laughs> I, I agree
1: with you on this one. You know what? It's so funny. You're just like my other friends, dude. You always bring up when I'm wrong, but no one wants to appreciate the greatness when it's flowing from my mouth because I'm right. So often so often that's how I know I'm great is because when I'm wrong people make sure I know because I'm so right so often but yeah I completely agree with you here uh the Rams I think they found themselves a new running back I I know Todd Gurley is great I still am a big Todd Gurley fan but he's bumped and bruised and he doesn't ever seem like he's healthy Daryl Henderson that dude is the truth we talked about him when he came out of Memphis we talked about how talented he was and that all that's wrong true the Bengals the Bengals have not Played up to snuff, and they just keep getting worse, and they keep getting more hurt.
0: Yeah, so I'm not gonna uh... see. You say that I I want to rib you when you're wrong, but then when you're right, you try to tell me you're God and stuff. Man, you're making it hard <laughs> on me here.
1: Well, I'm never I'm uh, never happy.
0: Yeah, no, you gotta. You... I gotta find this happy medium where i lie
1: <laughs> you, you, you know you know that the Bengals are rough when they're in bad shape when dalton is the one that looks the best dalton looks like the best piece on that offense he looks better he looks like a better asset than joe mixon and tyler boy tyler boy is dropping balls unfortunately and joe mixon's not really looking the same as he did last year now again a lot of that comes on the offensive line and i'm exaggerating a tad but the Bengals are not in good shape so i i will admit that
0: yeah no i think uh I believe it was Jeff, and Jeff may have tweeted out. Jeff was talking with somebody, and they were looking at their schedule, and they really don't see them winning a game. If the Bengals could go 0-16 and not get a franchise player like a Chase Young, or like, I'm not sure if Tua I can't say his name, never never can. Tua, if they can't get Tua, let's just say Tua. If they can't get a franchise player like Chase Young or Tua from Alabama, and they can go 0-16, nothing would make me happier. I would love that to no end, but... uh I can't see them not winning a game, and I really hope we don't eat these words. I hope they don't slip one past the Browns. The Browns really can't take them. I mean, they're going to be pretty bad when the Browns play them, but they cannot look past the Bengals because the Bengals will sneak one over on them.
1: Yes, there's enough talent there to sneak up on them. That is 100% true. Now, if you're trying to get a little draft talk, I'll get into that. I can I, We can argue about the Bengals a little bit. I do not think that the Bengals need to be drafting a quarterback. I personally think that that's how franchises get set behind. That's what happened to the Browns. We, went, we witnessed it hand. Oh, this quarterback didn't work out. Well, let's draft another. Oh, well, this quarterback didn't work out. Let's draft another. This quarterback didn't work out. Let's draft another. Sometimes it's not the quarterback. I, I, Bill Carroll says this all the time on Twitter situation and scheme is is so important it's I mean it's almost it's everything dude so I mean you take a guy like Dalton Dalton's not the worst quarterback in the NFL by a long shot he's not he's definitely not even the worst starter so I think I'm not saying you build around him but there are other pieces that you can grab you don't need to be reaching for a quarterback that might not hash it out well you can go get a guaranteed stud
0: well let's uh for my sake because I don't think Dalton's ever going to be the answer for them um let's hope that they don't get a quarterback but that's just me um, and, I, I, didn't, and, 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 and to, I didn't, to your point, it. to your point, if they get a piece, like you said, if they get a piece like a Chase Young, I mean, he's a monster. He could be something they could build a defense around and it could be scary. Let's just hope they don't do that. Well, either. And,
1: and let me put it this way, because I definitely don't want anybody out there to think I'm saying that Dalton is a future NFL MVP or he is the answer. I'm just saying if you're going to go draft a guy, let's say you go draft a guy like, like Herbert. Okay. Those guys are going to have growing pains, right? Let's go, let's say Tua. You said Tua. Let's use Tua. Tua's playing at Alabama. They're, they're favorites at every game by 30 points. What's you going to do behind an offensive line that sucks, right? You could go out and you can get more, more pieces like Jonah Williams, obviously who's hurt right now, and then maybe protect that asset. So that way, when you do go draft a quarterback, he's not sitting back there like a sitting duck. That's all, that's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. That's the, well, that, that's something to be fair too. you know, the whole thing with Tua, uh, try to, try to stay away from colleges and I'll make this short, but Tua doesn't like being hit. He got hit against Clemson. He did not perform well. That's the first time he's really been hit in his career. Um, and, and he's, from that he's a good quarterback i don't want to bash on him
1: i'm just saying that's a growing pain that every quarterback has to deal with you know what yeah because I mean?
0: in yeah in the nfl more than likely you're going to get hit not a dip, I mean you are going to get hit at some point in the nfl it's the nfl yeah the talents um,
1: difference is not going to be from al you know what i mean like the the talents difference he's dealing with the alabama is just it's insane
0: yeah so uh Honestly, I think that can pretty much wrap us up tonight. I think my final takeaway is that Josh thinks that Andy Dalton is a Hall of Famer and <laughs> is better than Tom Brady. Um, I, I, think you'd agree with that. Well, you know,
1: we did, we did, we, we almost forgot we did have a Facebook question. So I feel like. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. A good friend, Jake, hit us up and he asked what our midseason predictions are. Now that we're six games through, uh, seven games through, seven weeks through, how, where do we see the AFC North hashing out?
0: So right now, um, the Seahawks played a horrible game against the Ravens last week when they played a better game against the Browns, as is Cleveland's luck. The Ravens are starting to cement themselves in that first spot, and they're winning games that either they shouldn't win, or they're winning the games they should win, and they're winning a game or two that they shouldn't win, so they're separating themselves from the Browns. I think the Ravens are going to be number one at the end, uh... I'd say that they've pretty much owned the division at this point. There's a lot of season left to play, and these things can change. But there's nothing telling me right now that the Browns can make a comeback. Um, I'd say that the Browns are going to be your number two. I could see them going ten and six, and that is lofty at this point. But I, I think more realistically, they could end up nine and seven. Um, and they can maybe squeak out a wild card spot. If they don't make the playoffs, I'd still say it's a failure. This team has enough talent where there's no reason they shouldn't make the playoffs. And third, you've got the Steelers. Obviously, uh, they've had their injury issues, but they're not as bad as the Bengals, who are fourth. Uh, what about you?
1: So I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I, I feel really stupid because my preseason re- uh, rankings, I, I believe I had the Ravens uh, last in the division. The Ravens, like you said, are clear far and away. First in the division at 5-2. and two. But with that said, they are 2-4-1 against the spread. Okay. So they beat up on a lot of bad teams and they haven't really, you know, beat them up by a whole lot. Uh the best team against the spread is actually the Steelers are three, two, and one. So that is something to note. I don't think that Mason Rudolph is as bad as everybody expected. That offense and the Steelers look like they're kinda of putting it together. It would not surprise me if they end up beating Cleveland out for, you know, when they're fighting I'm I'm envisioning both teams fighting for a wild card spot. So it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers end up uh beating the Browns out obviously the, the Bengals are 0-7 but we did talk about them being 3-4 and 4 against the spread so some things are working in their favor Uh I do think that they're probably seller dwellers but overall I kind of agree the Baltimore Ravens look like they are spreading apart it would not surprise me if the Browns the Steelers overcame that because those are two teams that have proven to be pretty good I'm honestly I'm amazed by how solid the Steelers have remained to look
0: yeah, no, de- that defense is uh, – adding Minka Fitzpatrick for them has been uh, a great pickup, um, and they're just kind of – they're just, they they're like that annoying little brother who just doesn't go away, and if they stick around long enough, they're going to get a few wins, and they might surprise some people. Um, so I, I, the only thing I'm surprised with what you said is you think that the Bengals are going to be last. I mean, you think Andy Dalton's, you know, Hall of Famer. I figured you'd think they'd end up 9-7, and seven, but <laughs> I don't know. You
1: know, I, I... – <laughs> I, I do I do think that if they were healthy, because injuries ravaged them so early, it's really hard to tell. My prediction was bad. There's really no excuse. <laughs> it, it was it was bad. I don't I don't want to make too many excuses for that. But with that said, injuries ravaged them so so soon. AJ Green, Jonah Williams. Uh, I mean, just a lot a lot happened so fast. I, I really don't think it was a fair handicap. I don't think well, that they're as bad as everybody thinks. And their their record against the spread kind of proves that because they are they're not beating expectations. But I mean, they're doing better against expectations than the Browns.
0: Well, yeah, no, but not even to hit, I mean, not even to hit on, to keep, you know, just driving driving you to the ground or anything, but I mean, we both were high on Cleveland. We thought they would pretty much take the division. That's not happening. I thought the Steelers would be second, but uh, same problem with the Bengals, you know, their quarterback got injured, and that changes a lot of things. They're in third, and I thought the Ravens, I thought more teams would have them figured out by now, but it's just not happened yet um and you know games like what the Ravens just did to the Seahawks uh just kind of throw your hands up like are you what (laughs) this is not the same Seahawks team that just played the Browns so what is going on this is the NFL though
1: yeah the Seahawks are they're so funny I was talking to a buddy today about the about the Seahawks I I think that Pete Carroll is I I think that Pete Carroll's a good coach but I do think he's overrated I, I think that a lot of times Russell Wilson does bail him out. Uh, you heard when they talked about Russell Wilson going dark and not having communication against the Browns and he, how he drove the, the offense down and scored a touchdown. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. And not a lot of whole, lot, not a whole lot of NFL quarterbacks can do that. I think Russell Wilson bails him out of a lot of stupidity, uh, that he does ensue on the team. But, you know, I, I so it's not surprising to me that, that Seattle goes, is up and down like that. Yeah.
0: I mean, unfortunately for all of us, Russell Wilson nor Pete Carroll bailed anybody out against the Patriots in the Super Bowl and, uh, gave the ball to Marshawn Lynch. But yeah, we got, we got, we got the type of Seahawks that don't give the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line, uh, against the, the Ravens on, uh, Sunday. So if, if the Ravens continue to win games like that where they shouldn't win, I mean, just to be fair, the Ravens, the Seahawks, you know, sh- were, are a better team than the Ravens and they should have won that game. But if the Ravens can keep pulling these out, the Browns aren't catching them. There's just no way.
1: That that's the problem. I think that Harbaugh knows his team's weakness, strengths and weaknesses. So they go into games and even though they maybe not they're maybe they're not the most talented team, they put themselves in situations where they don't lose. You know, they know what their limitations are, so they stay ahead of the game. Uh the Browns, I, I think that Freddie Kitchens is still figuring that out. And I think that's the biggest difference. I think Freddie Kitchens is a good coach. I think he'll be a good coach. I just think he's
0: still trying to figure out what this team can and can't do. So hopefully they get it figured out for this weekend because, as we said, they've got a tough one. Um, Any final thoughts, or are you ready to to head on out then?
1: Well, I I still believe that the Browns can get nine wins. So I I do want to end on that note. But I mean, other than that, I just want to make sure that everybody knows and everybody stays positive, even though this weekend's probably not going to go the best.
0: And that you think Andy Dalton is better than Tom Brady. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm a big Red Rocket fan, if you know what I mean. Oh, geez, that rusty rifle, man, that rusty rifle. All right. Well, we appreciate everybody joining us. Um, right before we go, Josh, go ahead and throw out your Twitter handle. Yeah, hit me up at Josh
1: Keatley sixteen. Uh, we've been we've been we've been doing great reaching out to listeners and and responding back to people. So hit us up.
0: Yeah, no, please do. We uh, we do want to answer more questions. Uh, we'll I, I'm fine taking away airtime from other things to answer more listener questions. Um, so if you have anything, you can hit me up at uh, Travis underscore Rogers four on Twitter. And uh, I think that'll take us out. So uh, again, appreciate everybody. Thank you.